Welcome to the Top 5 Chronicles, the adventures of Geordie Adam and the Silent Underdog podcast. Buongiorno. Greetings, Geordie Adam. How are you? Very well, thank you. Lewis, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode seven of the top five chronicles that's the advantage or the advantage the adventures of geordie adam and uh the silent underdog my name's louis samuel the silent underdog and can we have uh, an intro from you geordie adam that's correct and unlike my garbled one just then yeah i'm geordie Ad- adam what's happening man <laughs> there's a stuttering thing going on today isn't there? Stu- <laughs> stu- stu- stutter. uh not a lot pal really um I uh, I noticed that uh, your man Rafa is now the the top most winning Grand Slam tennis player of all time. Twenty one, twenty one. Yeah, I know. Bet I bet Novak is vexed. Fuming, <laughs> proper. I bet he's vexed. Yeah, apparently though, I haven't seen. It. I'm going to watch the highlights later on. In the third set, didn't Medvedev have like three break points at one point? I think it was it was two nil up at one point. I think. And uh, three break points up in a game in the third, from what I understand. Against Rafa. I know. You have to take them chances because my boy's a clay warrior, in it, Even though he's playing on rubber matting or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, Rafa, Rafa's the toughest of all of them. He's probably not, in terms of ability and, um, I don't know, technical ability and overall skill, Federer's better. But in terms of, like, hanging on there and just... Um, Never say die attitude. Rafa's the king. Still think Federer's better though. Yeah, I think Rafa's kind of got that that gladiator mindset, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's never down and, and out until the actual final whistle or whatever you want to call it in tennis is actually um, a bin blown or the referees call the match, coach call match point, and then he's won the match. The other player person's won the match point. He's just a really tough guy. I commend him. I, reckon, I, I rate the guy highly. I'd rather watch Roger, but there's no doubt in that Rafa is a truly, truly great tennis player. Even though nearly all of them have been like French Open. He's clay warrior, isn't he? Who's won a couple of Wimbledon's and a couple of Australians, odd US and that. But um, yeah, great player. What have you been up to this week, Jordi Adam? Well, this week I've been trying to work out my top five candidates for cabinet if I was to become the Prime Minister. Me too, Adam. That's strange, uh, isn't it? It's strange, isn't it? Yes, listeners, that's because uh, he's dragged me back onto what I'm supposed to be doing. Thanks, Adam. Um, that's going to be the topic for this this particular podcast, episode seven. And what we're going to look at is, if we were Prime Minister, uh, as I was Prime Minister, or Adam was Prime Minister, and you, what would be the first five posts you would fill uh, from your... Um, in your in your cabinet, who would they be who filled those posts, and why would you put those people in those posts? Um, so the rules of this particular game are that the people can be real or fictional, been in films, books, or whatever, and uh, we're just going to pick them, and we're going to explain why we pick them. Yeah. 
I think it's your turn to go first this week, isn't it, Lewis? It may not be, but I don't care. I'll go first because you know me, I like to chat. So, uh, in no particular order, um, bearing in mind, um, we said there can be fictional individuals, real people. Um, I'm going to start with um, my education minister, because you need to make sure people know what they're, what they're on with and stuff. So we have to educate the population. And for me, the person I would install as my education minister would be uh, Dolores Umbridge from the <laughs> Harry Potter universe. <laughs> Dolores Umbridge. Are you serious now? Oh, there's, there's reasons for that. Dolores Umbridge. So she's the lady who wears pink and takes over Hogwarts in the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah? You know when they're like uh, the Ministry House Dumbledore? And, uh, and put her in charge because man needs sorting out. Dolores Umbridge um, has to be it. Because you know now, with the kids and them now, kids like basically run schools now, don't they? Teachers are terrified to like tell them to do anything. Uh, teachers are terrified of them. So what you want in charge of the education system is someone who's going to bring balance back to the force or whatever you want to call it, right? So do you know all this? You've hit who? there'll be a punishment for that. I don't want to hear about the reason you hit them. You hit them, don't hit them. Punishment, yeah? You smoke what in school? We're going to punish you for that. And that fake signal looks like, you know, so you can't do PE, looks like you wrote it. I'm going to make you write a thousand times, I shall not fake my parent's signature. You know that thing that she does in the um, in Harry Potter when she makes them write lines, and when they write with a pen, it scrapes into the skin. Yeah, That's the yeah. sort of thing in schools, Adam. What are you saying? Um, there's not, there's no argument, is there? Dolores is the girl for the job, all it, in pink, totally it, vexed all the time. You know, what I mean, don't care what kids think, don't care what parents thinks, only cares what the Ministry of Magic thinks. Single-minded, disciplined enforcer. That's what we need. So basically, what you're saying is we need the white female version of you. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, as, as my athletes will testify, Adam, um, I am the most benevolent, benevolent, benevolent leader one could ever ask for. Thoughtful, caring, logical, that's me. But sometimes for a certain man, you need an enforcer, don't you? And, uh, yeah, Dolores, what she's you need the one. What you need to realise there, listeners, is Lewis has tried to paint himself in a very nice way. What he's failing to tell you that is that there was many a time when I used to train with Lewis, his coaching style was, this is an autocracy, not a democracy. Get on with the session. Yeah, but the differences between me when I was coaching you, Adam, and me now is I'd say it in a nice way. Still the same ruler. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing's changed. It's just delivered in a lovely way now. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, but the truth is about that. You're right, Adam. It is a it is a, an autocracy and not a democracy. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be coached by me. You can move, you know. <laughs> that's, that, that's the way I view it. Yeah? Anyway, number two. You know what? Well, Dolores is the one, isn't she? She'll sort yeah. one out. Okay, so um, the second person that I need in charge uh, in my initial draft, my top office, top... Um, Civil, civil servants, my top ministers, one of civil servicing, but my top ministers, so Chancellor 
Now, again, this is difficult because you need someone who's a bit, a bit thrifty and a bit clever. And this person is actually real, Adam. So most people won't have heard of uh, this lady. Uh, unless you're involved in football and you love football and you love the whole transfer thing. So uh, my nomination for Chancellor would be uh, one of the directors of Chelsea Football Club. She is a Russian-Canadian and she is Marina Gronovskaya, right? And the reason I've gone for Marina is she does amazing things in the transfer market. So this is the lady who managed managed to get 34 million quid for Tammy Abrahams, who at best is a 15 million quid striker. Right? This is the woman who got 26 million quid for Fiyako, sorry, Fikayo Tomori, right? Who is um, someone you've never heard of. They got 26 million quid for him. All this to help fund, you know, the Lukaku deal from yeah. Inter Milan to Chelsea last year. She sold a whole heap of man who no one's ever heard of. And if you have heard of them, they weren't that good for like loads of money. And that's the sort of person you want looking after the nation's money, Adam. Honestly. So if you if you look at um, the list of people that um, she sold <laughs> and for what she sold them for, the lady's a genius. I don't know. She might, she might be doing, you know, the um, the old Obi-Wan Jedi mind trick on man when she goes into negotiations. Yeah. Tammy Abrams, he's a £34 million player. We'll give you 34 mil for Tammy Abrams. Thanks. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. <laughs> she's got to be on that one because some of the deals she's done, go on Wikipedia and you're, you're thinking, who for what? She's amazing. No wonder Roman keeps her around. She's saving him a whole heap of cash. I'm telling you. Uh, if she can make money, then, you know. She's amazing, honestly. Thirty-four million pounds for Tammy Abrams. Are you serious? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, rate her, rate her highly. So moving on. Um, Home Secretary. So this this one was the one I found most difficult, Adam. So for Home Secretary, uh, you know what the British people are like. They don't like man coming in now. Hence the Brexit thing. That's a fact, yeah. Everything's about, oh, there's too many coming in and all that, yeah. So I was kind of looking at someone who don't let people in. So I'm thinking on the Gandalf thing, you know, you shall not pass, all that kind of thing. But I thought, no, that's a bit harsh. So I've gone for uh, Mr. Spock. Right? And the reason I've got uh, for going for Mr. Spock is, when you're making decisions about... um, Immigration, people coming in, uh, legal rulings, stuff like that. Whether you can overrule certain things and change rules, you need someone who's not on the emotional tip. Yeah, you need someone who's not going to listen to man crying, not going to listen to man talking about um, uh, back in eighteen seventy four. This happened. You want people to look at stuff on a logical basis. Yeah. So, Mister Spock is your man. There'll be no emotiveness made round decisions. There'll be logic, facts, and just general sensibleness based around decisions. And if men start crying, they start crying because they don't like the decision. They don't care. We've looked at it based on facts, and the decision is this because Mr. Spock says so. What are you saying, Adam? Again, I think that's a very true characterization of you as well, I think. Uh, you are very cold and factual and objective. Listeners, I'm not cold. I'm lovely me, you know. 
And uh, but it's there's certain things you need to be cold about. Just because someone cries, you can't bend your decision. Oh, do you upset about it? No, man. The facts say this. You can go. This is the decision, yeah? Why are you applying all these to me, Adam, by the way? Because they all sound like you. It's just, it's just a job that needs to be. Number four, Adam. So, this person is um, Israel. Um but his life's been partially fictionalised and he's going to get the foreign secretary's job, yeah? Um, and the gentleman in question is Jordan Belfort, yeah, from The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. <laughs> right? So sometimes, as foreign secretary, you have to go abroad, you have to entertain man, you need to, you know, you might, you might want to, like, facilitate a few meetings, sort a few problems out on man's borders and stuff, uh, look after Britain's foreign affairs, present your country in a fantastic light, um, prevent wars by negotiating, you know, all that sort of stuff, yeah? Jordan Belfort is your man. So if anyone's ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street, you'll know what sort of strategy a Lewis Samuel government would be deploying. <laughs> 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 to get its way with foreign powers, yeah? But this also linked to my to my number five as well that I'll come to in about five minutes. So Jordan Belfort will dash the required parties in the required way to get the required result. And if, you, if you're unsure as to what that means, one needs to watch The Wolf of Wall Street because I think he'd be an excellent fit for this particular job. The parties will be fine, be they on aeroplanes, be they <laughs> and and we get the result. And uh, yeah, what do you think, Adam, to that one then? I um, <laughs> it um, it it it. Like, it's, it's a far cry from who I've nominated for foreign office, but you know, I get it. I get it. That that yeah. that kind of um, that kind of uh, playing, kind of host and being nice to people yeah, and being nice to people and like sorting man out. Do you know what I mean with what they need and all that? Whatever takes you fancy. Fabulous. He's a great man. However, sometimes um, Adam. Uh, doesn't work because uh, certain parties might not want to participate in the sort of parties that um, uh, Minister Belfort would be throwing. So, <laughs> so uh, sometimes use the carrot, Jordan, but sometimes uh, you might use this, have to use the stick, mate. And so, um, when things get a bit heavy, you need a defence minister. Sometimes, True. and uh, nomination for defence minister is another fictional character, uh, but is the greatest fictional character ever written about or and appeared in film, and everyone's favourite bad guy, and it's Darth Vader. Has got to be minister of defence. Yeah, I get that for obvious reasons. Um, he's uh, intelligent. He can fight. Um. He's got force powers, so if you need him, he can strangle man for you. We are actually touching him. Uh, and I like to think of him so much not, well, 
not as much about Minister of Defence. He's uh, more of Minister of Offence. So if yeah. Jordan fails to get the result you want, you have to wheel the next guy in <laughs> who uses different methods to get the result you want. So for me, I'm going um, uh, Minister of Defence, Stroke Offence, and that's going to be um, Anakin Skywalker, Stroke Darth Vader. Now, so as an example of how things might have worked differently and changed the whole course of history, so if we go into like, when Neville Chamberlain come off that plane with that bit of paper, in my hand, a piece of piece of paper, all that business, talking about how um, uh, Chancellor, I'm near Hitler, yeah? The side of the paper saying, he's not going to invade no more countries because he's bored now, you know what I mean? Um, in order to make Chancellor um, Hitler stick to his deal, you need to wheel Vader in with you. Do you know what I mean? Vader be giving it little, reading his mind and saying, I feel great uncertainty with you signing that paper, Chancellor. Uh, would you like to rethink while force choking his clock? Do you know what I mean? To make sure that he knows what the story that we're coming back from if we're in eggs on this particular deal and we don't even have to be in the same room to get him. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Vader. I get that. You can't beat Vader. Uh, I would possibly go down a different. Well, I am going to go down a different route with my Minister of Defence, but we'll get to that. No, but well, like I said, Vader's the man. He's uh, he's clever. He's ruthless, and he can do things without even being in the room. He's the perfect choice, and like. Up until right at the end with the Emperor, when the Emperor was trying to kill his kid and that. Um, he was a, he's a loyal servant. He's a loyal henchman who will do anything you ask him. My right-hand man, man for the Empire. <laughs> I'm a safe lord now. Is that, what, what does that make you? Chancellor Palpatine? Chancellor Palpatine. You know, all that skin and teeth and all happy, but really, uh, I'm the Emperor. I'm an evil man. Who you doesn't just dress in black, is black. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, no, that's me. So no, you can see what kind of government I'd have. It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get involved with Jordan, which in which case it'd be a right laugh. But it's a very well thought out cabinet, I think. It's beautifully thought out. I've been at it all week, mate. I've been looking at it, studying, uh, checking books, checking films, desire, deciding what sort of government mine would be. So it's a bit like uh, the sort of government where it's carrot and stick, in it? Jordan, yeah. carrot, Vader, stick. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm operating on. If at first you cry, if at first you don't succeed, kill man, that's it. <laughs> Send in Vader. <laughs> oh dear, mate. Yeah. Anyway, I've kind of, I've kind of got impressions or images of whenever your foreign minister goes out on some trip, putting Darth Vader on like twenty-four hours notice. Oh, you just, you just like you have him, you have him on the Zoom call. You know, one of them where he's sat in a corner, just looking, just looking dark. Never says anything. Just his, his picture, his, uh, his video is just in the corner, all when in black, breathing. Oh. <laughs> so just that everyone knows. Meanwhile, they want to negotiate with Jordan because they might get um, 
or have more fun, I think. Yeah. Carrot and oh. stick, maybe. No, I get that. that, that that's a well-constructed cabinet, that, Lewis. It is, and uh, it would be brilliant. And the country would um, be heavenly for it. So there you go. So, Geordie Man, let's hear your five. So, coming in as Chancellor of the Exchequer, okay, is more a a gabble of people rather than a single person, okay? Yeah. So I'm going the Dragons from Dragon's Den. Okay. Purely and simply because they know how to make money. Right? They know how to balance the books. And you almost need that that kind of uh, financial intelligence, I think, to, uh, to, 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 to get the country... And it's it's GDP growing, I think. Ooh, that's uh, very intellectual, that Adam. I'm talking Darth Vader. You're talking about dragons and that. Yeah, but if you think about it, though, if that happens, we will get Peter Jones in. We get a lifetime supply of reggae reggae sauce, don't we? <laughs> Through Levi Root, yeah. in it. That's not knock it. Yeah, yeah. Connect- connections, in it. Yeah, let's not knock it. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. Good shout. Because we all we all know that you like your curry goat on a Thursday whilst you're watching uh, Question Time. King Kev, you there? Yeah, Caribbean Spice, folks, just in case anyone in Sheffield. Yeah, Caribbean Spice, King Kev's dealing with it. Thanks. <laughs> but we could we could even hook up King Kev with you know with some kind of like reggae reggae sauce. You know, you got to think about the people. Stuff, you got to think about the people. So yes, the dragons. Oh, dragon I get gang. that. I get that. They're financially savvy and that, and they, they know what's what, and they would make good business decisions, yeah, because that's why they've got loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Department for Health and Social Care. Okay. I feel that this is probably the more serious of my five. I think. Yeah. So I'm going Florence Nightingale. Right. Okay. Mostly Florence Nightingale, pivotal, pivotal in the NHS. Yeah. To, to the point where, when COVID kicked off, there were a lot of these pop-up hospitals named after her. If that's not like NHS legend status, I don't know what is. Uh, yeah, agreed. She's she's kind of like the poster girl of um, um, historic British healthcare. I'm more of a Mary Seacole uh, fan myself. Um, she could probably cook better curry goat than um, Florence Nightingale, but there you go. But I just think um, she'd obviously bring all the, the medical side of things, but I kind of feel she'd bring the the, the empathy, you know, the, the personal skills to the role as well, unlike a certain previous Secretary for Health. Uh, not to not to mention any names. Cough, cough, Mister Matt Hancock. Uh, I just I just feel that she would execute the um, the role of secretary for health and social care with a bit more grace. I think execute. That's back to Vader again, isn't it? Execute. Um, 
Do you know what I always thought about Florence Nightingale? Because you know them, them old like um, kind of paintings and maybe photographs even out there of her. They're always she just looks vexed all the time. Do you know what I mean? I know it's not good in Crimea and that it's a bit cold. It's not a good in Crimea right now to be honest. But um, uh, she always looks very vexed and that right unhappy. But it's cold out there, isn't it? Yeah. That's for yeah. me just talking trivial crap. But there you go, Adam. <laughs> Department for Education. Now, I feel, based on your nomination, I've gone the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. Right? So, I'm going for more on a holistic, all-round education system, right? So, I'm nominating Mary Poppins as my uh, person in charge of education, just because... I think the, the education system that you would create and provide uh, would, uh, would be very, um, very sort of wholesome, I think. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Good, clean and wholesome. Yes. Yes. So we move on to arguably the two most interesting candidates okay uh, and I feel that I need to speak about them both at the same time in the same way that you've done with the Foreign Office and Ministry of Defence okay I, I've kind of linked them up a little bit as well right so Foreign Office I feel you need somebody with a personality Okay, someone that can, that has no issues with saying what they think and getting the point across and being able to communicate what they're thinking in a very strong and real way. That is why, listeners, I am nominating Borat to be in charge of the Foreign Office. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. I think, um, yes, he may ruffle a few feathers here and there. Okay? And he probably doesn't think what he's saying. However, every government has that person who, who uh, potentially will start World War Three. Just to keep us on our toes, I think. And I think Borat would, would execute that rather well. Because the amount of people he would annoy on his travels would be plenty. Okay. I think we've now, had a few foreign secretaries that are that annoying, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> In past and that. Now, to balance that out, like you've done, I think you need someone in charge of the Ministry of Defence who is... Um, Cold, uh, objective, logical, ruthless, uh, someone who can stand up for themselves, but can also show empathy, sympathy, all that kind of stuff. So my nomination for Ministry of Defence would be John Wick. Good right? shout, my, my guy. Come on. Now, all you'd have to do Okay, 
is whenever Borat goes on one of his international travels, get him to take John Wick's dog with him, but you don't tell John Wick <laughs> until, my guy's until they've landed. Okay? Now, everyone knows how incompetent Borat is. And if John Wick knows that Borat's got John Wick's dog, he's going to go on a hunt because John Wick will John Wick would do anything for his dog. Okay, and as Prime Minister, I would even even change his the, his dog's name to Great Britain and Northern Ireland because he would then literally be going to save Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Yeah, that's what you can tell, man. And John's gone to save Great Britain and Northern Ireland when really, me and you know, he's just gone to get his dog, really, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he will do anything to protect that dog, even if it means, like, defending himself. So yeah, Parabellum style. Yeah, man. Do you know that, that fight scene at the end of Parabellum with all the glasses? That is mad. That whole film's mad. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote that, but whatever they were thinking, the outcome were amazing. Parabellum is a nut job film. What a film! That that see even at the end of Parabellum, do you know where? Uh, is he shot off the roof or he jumps off the roof yeah. or something? Yeah. And the woman looks over the edge and he's not there. That's because he's gone to get his dog, because he's late for a vet appointment. <laughs> oh my days. So, in essence, okay, you are, you, every government has someone who messes up, a.k.a. Borat. So you need someone who can defend Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Or his dog. Or his dog, a.k.a. John Wick. I get that. So, you He's know, awesome. you, you, you kind of need someone who, who's going to step up no matter what. Do you know what, though? With John Wick, he's also... Um, you know, I said Vader was uh, Minister of Defence, stroke offence. John, John Wick falls into the same category. Remember that thing from the first film where someone goes... Where, where the Russian guy's son goes, who's this John Wick geezer? And the guy goes to him, do you know when someone talks about um, um, the bogeyman and how people are scared of the bogeyman? And the Russian kid goes, yeah. And he goes, well, John Wick's the guy you call to kill the bogeyman. It's true. Yeah. Love those films. They're all mad. The plots are uh, mad. The action's mad. Love them. Yeah. Nice choices there, Jordi Adam. I think that, I think there's a bit of bit of balance there. There's a bit of aggression in John Wick. There's a bit of incompetence like most governments have. But there's also a little bit of um, industry knowledge and savviness, i.e. the dragons. And then a little bit of wholesome love for Mary Poppins. Yeah, apparently, though, you know, like, um, uh, I was watching an interview, on a serious note for once, but related to what you're saying, I was watching an interview with, you know, the little girl in the first Mary Poppins, the original yeah. with, with uh, Julie Andrews? She was saying that when she was a kid, at that point in her life, she never met anyone who swore as much as Julie Andrews. Apparently, every other word is a big one. Really? Yeah, apparently, yeah. She was saying, like, I've never met anyone who swore as much as her. Apparently, yeah. she's uh, uh, sweet and innocent looking, but uh, a bit vocal and a bit militant in, in the reality of life, which is cool, by the way. Yeah, just thought I'd drop that in there. 
You are a wealth of knowledge. I, well, yeah, people can say that or they say other things about me anyway. I'm full of stuff, but... Yeah, yeah, I'd agree Tell you that. what, though, Adam, while we're talking about Mary Poppins and films and that, do you know what I went to see yesterday? Go on. Nightmare Alley. What do you think? I've seen that. What do you think? You tell me first. I'll tell you if I agree with you. Oh, do you want me to go first? Go on, let's have an argument. I'll give it a 9 out of 10. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Um... I wouldn't argue with your nine, by the way, either. It's um, it's film noir, obviously. It's Guillermo doing the weird thing. Guillermo del Toro doing the weird thing, directing a film again. Um, Bradley Cooper's good. The front end of the film seems a bit like, what's it doing? But it does make sense in the end because it kind of sets the scene for the ending. That I'm not going to tell people. But um, it's a really good film and it looks beautiful so it's one of them films a bit like um shape of water that del toro did that you must go and see at the cinema because the whole color palette on the thing just looks beautiful yeah my favorite favorite part in nightmare alley is you know right at the end where he sits down and the bloke Mm -hmm. the bloke makes him the offer and he just starts laughing yeah right yeah because he knows it's the mad thing that i'm not going to tell anyone um about um until they've seen the film, because there's a few twists that one in particular I did not see coming. Um, I'm just going to say, you know the Kate Blanchett thing? Yeah. Yeah, didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. Did, didn't see it coming, but um, really liked it. It's a bit of a slow burner. It's one of those films that you go and see, and after about 45 minutes, you're thinking, and? Yeah. But it, but it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question then. Um, the um, Bradley Cooper character is he a good guy or a bad guy in your opinion? Um, I'm trying not to give the plot away, folks. For those people who've not seen the film, so I'm asking Adam questions, and he'll answer in a way that won't give the plot away. But good guy or bad guy, Adam? I think he's a He's a good guy at heart. Yeah. And he's just, he's just trying to survive, I think. I would 100% agree with that statement, Jordy Adam. So on, 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 on the face of it, he looks like a bad guy in the second half of the film. Yeah. But I think he's just a good guy who's just trying to survive, I think. And he's, he, he's, he's found an opportunity and he's, he's run with it, I think. Yeah, I don't, I, mean, I, think, I, don't think, I don't think he's inherently a bad guy. I just think he's been presented with an opportunity, but it just happened to have been the wrong opportunity for him, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, for me, superficially, so when you start watching the film, like without wishing to give too much away, the circus bit at the front, you know, the, the um, fair bit at the front, yeah. it looks like it's just an horrible, horrible environment. But then as you watch the film and he goes into the city and stuff, you actually find out that the real horrible place is the city where he ends up um, quite wealthy and stuff and and doing quite well for himself initially. But that's the really ruthless place. It's not the fairground that looks like it's an horrible place because I think they look out for each other. But in the city, it's every man for himself. I think it is a very good... um, It's a very good... So what is it? It's about two and a half hours, isn't it? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a very good display of it's a very good example of society 
Yeah, it is. And Guillermo del Toro's done a fantastic job with with the yeah. film. Yeah, I think he's now my favourite director on planet now. Love that man. Because he, he did uh, the first thing I picked up that he did that was really good, even though people might go, ooh, it's a trashy film, is Blade 2. Yeah. And that's the first time I picked up a Del Toro film. And then there's Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water. Uh, even like um, Hellboy 2 Golden Army, I did that one, which, which still I like, even though most people hate it. He does the fantasy reality thing really, really well. Because yeah, yeah. he's obviously wrapped in Ed. Uh, which is a good thing when you have to have a vivid imagination and kind of direct, produce, write stuff. So, yeah, highly recommended listeners. Uh, Nightmare Rally, uh, a few gruesome bits. The chicken thing at the start, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I was not entertained watching that. <laughs> not entertained at all, bud. The, chick- the chicken bit at the start and then towards the end where he's walking through the garden with the old ridge blog. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that at all. No, I didn't enjoy that at all. But uh, the old rich bloke is um, not a nice man. But there you go. But Kate Blanchett warned him, didn't he, that the guy was a nut job. Yeah, yeah. Great film. Listeners, you have to go see it. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to put it on record now. I'm going to say that's going to make my top five films of the year, I think. I would say there's a good chance it'll be in my top five as well. And we're going to see a lot. Um, Yeah. It's uh, it's thoughtful, it's thought-provoking, and it's actually entertaining. There yeah. are a few moments where you cover your eyes, though, bud. Uh, or I did, mainly because I'm a coward in that, really. I don't like Blood and Gore, but it's, it's a really good film, really good plot. Um, the cast is really good. So you've got Kate Blanchett, uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, Ron Perlman, Hellboy. Who yeah. else is in it? There's loads of them, isn't there? It's a really, really good cast. Great. So, um, yeah. Yeah, what are you up to later on this week then, Adam? Um, bit of coaching. I've got a couple of kids going to the age group national champs in a couple of weeks, so just getting them kind of tidied up a little bit. We we compete and stuff. Um, and then uh, obviously working. I'm on early early morning shifts all this week. Yeah, so right. No one goes to Jimmy Sheffield that early, pal. So you'll be all right. And then uh, I'll be working on the next topic for the next podcast. Which is what? Remind me, because you've got all the notes on this. I just roll up and chat nonsense to you, yeah? So the next podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and Lewis, is the top five things you hate. That's one of my specialities. So, ladies and gentlemen of the internet... This is where Lewis comes into his own because he is in a permanent state of being vexed. It's because okay. I'm old and black, Adam. That's why I'm always vexed and everything annoys me. Well, you're going to have to condense it down into five, mate. That might, that might be a two-week job. We might have to knock this one back another week and do something else because <laughs> that'll be a lot, mate. <laughs> Top five things that, that I hate. Yeah. It can be. It can be literally anything. anything. Yeah. I can. I'll give. I'll give the listeners like a little preview of one or a hint of one, and it's to do with. Um, we had this discussion of a week. Did we talk about it on a podcast or was we in the gym? Do you know Matrix Revolutions? Yeah. Say yeah. yeah. Not revolutions. Resurrections. That one. Resurrections. 
the last one, the fourth one, yeah? Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to tell people how it ends, uh, but in slang, so I don't give too much away. But basically, Neo ends up a sideman in his own film, right? Yeah. And uh, there's a trend in Hollywood of turning big masculine heroes into sidemen. And that's one of my top five at the minute. And I'll explain uh, with examples when we do this podcast why Hollywood's going wrong in turning like big, big male heroes into sidemen. And that's Marvel, that's Star Wars, everything. They're all doing it, turning like people into sidemen. And I'm not happy about it. So there. And I've Haven't started moving. Having seen. Um... Matrix Resurrections, I completely completely agree with that. And I don't care if I spoil it for people. So, like, you know the bit at the end? So he's Neo, you know, in the first few, first three films, man's flying and all sorts of stuff, like Superman leaping off buildings in a single bound and all that business, you know, like all, all the tunes and that. And then in this one, he can't fly, and he's basically getting dragged around by his arm by Trinity. What is that about? It's turn Neo from the one into a sideman in one movie. It's outrageous behaviour. But there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a feeling that this next episode, top five things that I heard, is going to be a long one because Lewis is going to get vexed. I'm going to be on one. Listen, be prepared for me going 40 minutes on my own. I'm <laughs> <laughs> telling you. Because the stuff, that one is massive. And that that's every time you go to the cinema now, the guys are ending up like sidemen. Anyway, yeah. There we have it. Yeah, so what am I doing this week? I am coaching, similar to you, uh, Captain Rogers, and I am um, uh, prepping people for a load of stuff. So February, uh, listeners, is massive in terms of indoor activity, uh, in terms of track and fields, championships. So what we've got is uh, there's some internationals this week. I've got a lad running for Great Britain on Saturday. Then the week after is the age group championships. So that's under 15s, under 17s and under 20s. I've got a lad doing that. And that's at home in Sheffield. So that's cool. The week after is um, um, the British University champs. So I've got a battalion of sprinters running that predominantly for Sheffield Hallam University. And then the week after that is the national champs, which is in Birmingham, which I love, by the way, because that arena is amazing. Uh, before we, Lewis has a well-earned week's annual leave from work and a week um, off my actual uh, coaching activities where I will be uh, missing out and leaving Sheffield for a week and I'm going to spend a week in Newcastle and do some cinema stuff and other stuff up there just to, just for a chill out, just to give Negroes like a rest, to stop them going grey due to stress and that. So it'll be very good. Looking forward to it. So that's February, all mapped out. And incidentally, in the middle of February, Negroes have another birthday as well. Well, Adam, hope, Adam, hope... in case you want to buy man a bottle of ginger wine or a bottle of, um, I don't know, plantation rum, something like that. You know, just in case you've got a spare, like, few quid around than that. Just saying. I'll give you a handshake. That'll do. Yeah, typical, you're tight. <laughs> Hey, that's, hey. Why, that's why I don't like handy, hang, hanging around with you, Jody, man. Your man is so tight. Uh, I know that's hey. a, a racial stroke, gender stereotyping about Jody, man, and that, but it's very tight. I'm, I'm, I'm just protecting um, the, 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 uh, the funds of, of this country and taking advice from my chancellors of the Exchequer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tight, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 
Anyway, I think that's it, Adam. I think we're about there. I, I would have to say, Lewis, that if either one of us ever got into, into government, I think the country would be safe, I think. Do you know what? If ever you put me as prime minister and I could get these geezers to be like my, my top five top five ministers would be sorted. Yeah. England, Great Britain would be a green and pleasant land. We'd have no um, threats from outside countries. We'd have Marina cutting deals. We won't be skinned. The kids would be disciplined and well organised. Uh, there'd be some brilliant parties in number 10, even better than the ones they're having now. <laughs> <laughs> Long it'd be amazing, honestly. Got you sorted. If these yeah. men think they've had parties, they've got no idea. When I bring Jordan in, when I wheel Jordan in for a couple of weekends, it'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough for that. Should we sign off, thank you? Do you want there to tell my with Jordy Adam? Go on, talk to man. So, if you want to hear more from me, check out my uh, Pursuit of Happiness podcast on Spotify, uh, talking all things happiness, trying to redefine happiness, and just trying to wrap out some happy vibes. And if you want to check me out, The Silent Underdog, check out my activities on YouTube, uh, my car conversations, Silent Underdog 7, that's moi, where I will be putting the world to rights and telling man what's wrong with planet and that. Yeah, I said it. Right, I think we'll best go, Adam. I think that's it, pal. See you later. Laters. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening.